This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. A very big week, we've got a lot of comings and goings, we'll look back at three points versus Hull, and of course we'll look ahead to that crunch tie versus Fulham this weekend. And welcome back to the pod. Uh, Dan, how are you mate, you okay? I'm alright, I'm alright, thank you, after the week we've just had. Very busy, wasn't it, for us, you know? For, for anyone who, who doesn't know, and I mean, especially if it's your first time, then uh, we had a podcast out um, last Saturday, wasn't it, mate? I think it was quite a uh, a special one that we did. Um, we had uh, Kieran Maguire, who is a financial fair play expert, effectively. Um, and, you know, it really kind of blew up probably more than we actually thought it was going to. I mean, we thought it'd be a big interest to people, didn't we? But, um, yeah, to to kind of go off as it did. I know the local newspapers and stuff picked it up and stuff like that. And we were just sitting here like, that wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was worth you know, doing. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. But I think, you know, we always said when we did this, you know, when we do the pods and when we do these special bits, I mean, that we normally don't do it with any self uh, kind of gratitude, if that's the right word, really. You know, we do it because we think other people will be interested in hearing it. But I think us, like a lot of Stoke fans, didn't really understand FFP um, very much at all. So I think for me, it was just a real good chat to understand exactly what it is, how close we were going to be to maybe breaking it. Um, and some of the, I mean, I'll give, I'll give you my takeaway, Dan, and then I'll ask you yours, mate. But my main takeaway from that, which was more of a shock, was around paying the uh, £700,000 to a player's mum to to get around financial fair play, you know, effectively hiring her as a, what was it, was a scout or something like that, was it? An academy scout. An An academy academy scout scout. because because academy costs don't cost towards your FFP. Exactly. I mean, that was, I mean, it's it's a funny takeaway to have. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff, but geez, it makes you realise just how pointless of a bloody system it is if you can get around it like that. Um, but what was your main takeaway from that? I mean, there's, like I said, there's, there's a lot of them, but what was your main I, takeaway? I can just I can just imagine the player going to his mum, can, can I have that, can I have 20 grand out the bank? <laughs> I was going to say, because how do you transfer that across? Bank? Because <laughs> that, I mean, a, a mum's going to have seven hundred grand going into a bank. The bank are going to call her up and go, 
what's this £700,000, please, Mrs. Ince? Um, <laughs> and also, yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, it's such and such. And I'd like to transfer it to my son, please. Like, that sounds so dodgy. Um, so I'd love to know what they did there. But anyway. I, I yeah. say she was paid weekly, maybe, but I, we don't really know the ins and outs. Um, um, the main thing, there was just so much one there. We sort of learned so much. And it was nice just to clarify a lot of things as well, things that you'd I'd sort of pieced together from hearing bits. And I mean, I as I said on that pod, I listened to, to Kieran's um, Price of Football podcast. And for anyone who found that really interesting, by all means, go and check that out. You know, listen to a couple of episodes, decide if it's for you, because it's it's really good. And, you know, we, we do thank you for taking the time out as well um, and yeah. coming on with us. But yeah, if anybody... Anyone who like, listened to that and thought found it interesting, um, definitely, like I say, just give the price of football a listen because it's a really good podcast. It dips into loads of different things, um, topical subjects and questions and everything. Um, so, yeah, do, definitely do that. Uh, but for what I took away, uh, whew, I think the main thing really is just, just like you say, how, how the figures can be... Like we were allowed to lose, um, say, sixty-one million pounds in in the period, the FFP period that just ended, the last lot of accounts. Yet our debt was more than double that, but we still managed to get within the rules. Um, once you take this, that, and the other off, um, yeah. So it just shows, you know, that it's not as black and white as it seems, is it? And there's a lot more goes into. No. And I think, I mean, obviously Tony Scholes has gone and said we're in a healthy position, so. It obviously is, you know, the wage bill and the restructuring and everything else. And it's stuff like the uh, the amortisation of the contracts and how, yes, like, the transfer yeah. fees, yeah, where the transfer fees get divided up amongst how long the contract is. And then if you give the player an extension, it then divides even further amongst the new contract, what's left. And it just it sort of explains how we've ended up with certain players getting caught why is he in a contract are they ever players or you know what's yeah. that it's obviously just to keep the numbers within certain boundaries each year as they're going along um so obviously that's been tony skulls his positives that we maybe not understood ourselves yeah and exactly it makes you realize as well when you see and i suppose it's a food for thought for anyone now who sees any articles where it says you know stoke are going to be docked points the fact is that whoever reports that right now does not have a clue. Um, that's what's kind of come out of that. They can take an educated guess, but there's accounts yet to come out. There's there's no one who knows other than probably Tony Scholes and the owners of Bet365 and obviously the club. They're the only ones who know realistically whether we're going to break it or not. Um, so if you see any articles which says we're going to do this, going to do that, they're, they're just they're blowing in the wind, basically. There's, there's no... That there is no guarantees that they know anything at all. So don't start panicking and criticising Tony Skulls and criticising the club over what is probably quite inaccurate news, if you like. So, um, but yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to it, please go and listen to it. It's it's great, a great role. I've listened to it, Dan, twice myself. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, I, I, think I just loved it. The next two years are going to be tight, aren't they? A because. The because we lose the the year we were in the Premier League drops off, the amount we're allowed to lose shrinks as well, and also as we're going along, we are dropping off years where we've had parachute payments. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we're still 
I think the next the, the, the season that's just ended. Now, the fact that Tony Scott says we're in a good position would say to me that he must have looked over those accounts. Oh, yeah. He's an accountant, yeah. since he knows what yeah. he's doing. He knows. So, so I, I, I'm quite positive that we are, you know, we've managed to scrape the right side of it there. And this season, I think, will also be another tight one. You'd like to think that, obviously, going forward after that, we're losing a lot of the outgoings that we paid, a lot of the transfer fees. You know, once we look into the end of next season, um, but again, those transfer fees we've we've found out just because we spent fifty odd million in that summer, that doesn't we don't lose that in one go, do we? We've no. we've just found out that that's spread out over say four years. So yeah, it's all it's all complicated. We, I think we, what you just have to do is um, sort of trust that the people in charge know what they're doing, and and I'm sure they do. I'm sure that's why. I'm sure that's why there's not been an appointment so far that they want to make sure they get the right person who can come in and continue, you know, the sort of like you know, on the basis of what's been happening so far. Yeah. You know, and, and I'd say as well, seen... not to expect a Tony Scholes replacement before the end of this season. That's not going to happen. So I, I, I think I think that's probably one thing to take out of it as well. So uh, they'll they'll be taking the rest of this season, as you said, Dan, to to find the right person. Um, so you know, I know. That, What's an M? Uncertainty always breeds rumours and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't believe that he'll be replaced until the end of the season. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see how it pans out, mate, won't we? Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I know he's left the role and he's got to work for the Premier League and that. But he's still got a phone, hasn't he? He can. <laughs> he's still the other end of the phone if somebody desperately you know needed any advice or whatever. I'm sure you know he's not going to turn his back completely, is he? No, he's not. No, he's not. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, again, just to kind of cover, cover that off, thanks again for everyone for listening. Um, so, Dan, let's speak about uh, a certain game that took place on the Sunday. Uh, so, Hull, uh, I must admit, mate, um, I thought, I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought we were in control from start to finish, to be honest. Um, there was a few hairy moments at times, you know, at the back where Hull, in fairness to them, really should have made more of their chances, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd never th- felt like we were in danger, um, but then neither did anyone when we were three 0 up against Cardiff. Um, so I never really felt in danger. But um, how good was Wright Phillips? I mean, for for a player's professional, proper senior championship debut, that is one hell of a debut to make. I mean, the only thing missing was a couple of goals, which he probably deserved, didn't he? Oh yeah, that, that was. I thought when he hit that one from the edge of the box, I just wish that had, you know. Got smashed into the top corner there because that had just rounded off a perfect day before him there, wasn't it? He was he was full of pace, he was full of energy. His movement was brilliant as well. Just now he was always seen to be in the right areas. And I think I think him and Brown linked up really well, didn't they? That we've noticed that maybe like Campbell and Brown have struggled to get sort of a, a link up going between them. Um yeah. but he's he definitely sort of Brown was doing a lot of runs and making space for Wright Phillips, and Wright Phillips then was just making the most of it when he got the ball. And um, I think we've said before, haven't we, that Brown's best work sometimes comes when he doesn't have the ball. And and yeah, you know, we've had other strikers like that, you know, like people like Sidibe and uh, even Jonathan Walters. You know, when he's played with certain strikers, have been unselfish and hardworking, and just their main job was create space for other people. Do you know what I mean? And, 
and uh, you might not see the ball, you know, you might barely see the ball during the 90 minutes, but you can have a really big impact on the game just by your movement. And that seemed to be Brown's game of the weekend. I mean, he, he, to be fair, he could have had a hat trick after 20 minutes, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brown, I don't yeah, think yeah. he did anything wrong with those chances, though. I think the one, I think the keeper just did a good save, and the defense bailed him out. I don't think we can turn around and go, "Well, Brown, you should have absolutely nailed it." I mean, it, I mean some people will, obviously, um, but I don't think he could have done an awful lot more uh, with those personally. No, I think I think maybe if he was more confident, feeling more confident, mm. if he'd had a couple of goals lately, he may just you know burst the net with him or just I Club think maybe like yeah, if he was just because we know he's not a natural goal scorer, is he? he's not a natural finisher. Somebody like I saw comments, you know, if Tyrese was playing, we'd have been three 0 up, and that might well have been the case, you know. But then, like you say, uh, Brown's movements it created so much more in how we were playing and that, and he, he did have a good game in that respect, definitely. And allowed, like I say, Wright Phillips to, to shine. What a, what a game he did have, what a debut. It was just nice to see that, you know, somebody's he's, he's not been out on loan as such, has he? So he's, we've not had those kind of reports coming in. He literally has gone in from zero and, you know, raw on a professional kind of level. And just produce that. And you think, wow, you know, what's this guy? What's this guy going to be? But I mean, what what do you think, Mark? Going forward, we've got we're going to sort of talk later on about you know possible incomings for that like, attacking wise. We've got a lot of attackers available. Would you would you loan him out for the rest of the season so that you guarantee him getting twenty games under his belt? Rather than in say a few weeks' time, if we've got a lot of strikers and available, he might only see five, six games between now and the end of the season. Um, I mean, right, Phillips, you mean? Yeah. Uh, he's, for me, he's got to stay in the team. I, I don't see how we can really drop the drop the lad. I mean, he's just signed a new contract. Um, you know, he's. He's had a blinding couple of games. Um, no, for me, mate, he absolutely has to stay. And I think he needs to just give him confidence. I mean, how you know, Tyrese came out of nowhere, if you remember. Yet he was doing well in the under-23s, which has obviously got Tyrese's chance. Um, but, you know, Ty came in and it was a bit of an unknown quantity, really, at that point, other than the fact you know, of who his dad was and all that business. So, no, I mean, right, Phillips, again, he's could be another one of them that he just all of a sudden bursts onto the scene and then we're talking about him being a 15, 20, 25 million pound player come next season. If he stays up, stays fit, obviously. And that's the one thing with our bloody squad, isn't it? It's not, not getting injured. <laughs> but um, but yeah, honestly, the, the signs were great, mate. I think the the one bit that rem- kind of sticks in my head as well, which is one thing I've not seen a player do at Stoke for a long time, is that I can't remember at one point, I think it was in the second half, the ball's played into him, he's controlled it, skipped round his men, and he's beaten three or four of the whole players to try and get in, and they've had to take him out in the end. Um, I don't remember the last time I saw a player do that. I mean, as close as you're going to get, it's probably a Tyrese moment. Uh, to be honest, I, I in Stoke minds, I, I don't know whether to say this, because <laughs> in Stoke fans' eyes, it's a very, very big boots to fill. But he rem- in, when you're saying that there, I mean, I know what you're talking about. He was just inside there half, wasn't he? And he dropped the shoulder. He shrugged off one. And he showed quite a good strength. 
for such a small lad, didn't he? Knocked one sort yeah. of guy off the ball who came near him. He ended up on his knees. And then he sort of danced around two, three other players and just played a nice, simple ball out wide. Nothing too fancy. He didn't get carried away. You know, he didn't think he was Maradona all of a sudden. Just, yeah, I've done my bit here, play the ball out wide. And it reminded me of Bojan. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah. In that kind, during yeah, that kind yeah. of low centre of gravity, quick movement. Dance around a couple of players, knock you out. I know, no, you're not his biggest fan. Well, it's not but... that I'm not his biggest fan, mate, to be honest. We could probably <laughs> discuss this another day, but it's not that I'm not his biggest fan. Um, I just think he was well overhyped, to be honest. But e- either way, uh, I, n- I know what you're saying, mate. Um, if, you know what? Again, it's one of them, isn't it? I mean, he's going to get a lot of pressure put on his shoulders now. And I think I think the one thing we can probably not criticise him for because the guy can't help it, but he needs the ball out a little bit more. You can see him easily getting knocked off the ball. Um, and it depends what type of a game we want to play. If we want to play where he's going to be going up for, for bloody headers and God knows what, then yeah, he's got a bulk up. But if he's going to play that little man running round, I mean, Bojan was obviously never the never the biggest, was he? But you know, he didn't didn't stop him creating things and getting around the pitch and being influential. So. Um, I think we'll just dis- we'll discover him as as time goes on. He'll develop, but I would like to see him bulk up a little bit because he's going to get knocked off in this division a lot. I don't think he's ever going to be going up for headers. He's the son of Sean <laughs> <Matt> Phillips. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. I saw I saw that um, apparently that's what he did on the under twenty threes quite a lot. He was always trying to get involved, which is nice to see. But um, so yeah, anyway, I thought Ryan Phillips was was great. Uh, one final shout out from me. Uh, I thought Alan and Klukas. Um, in fact, the whole midfield I did well. Ince did brilliant again. Um, but again, Alan and Klukas have come in for a lot of stick recently, and I thought I thought they were pretty solid. I can't remember them doing anything wrong in that match. Um, so I think you no, know, definitely worth calling them out because everyone likes to give them stick, but I don't see many people trying to give them any credit when it's due sometimes. So yeah, but the midfield did have a very good game. Klukas, Klukas just seems to love playing against former clubs, and he's he's. Got... And we we should like load him out to every club in the division, maybe for a couple of games, and then every week he'll just have to be in his bonnet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that, mate. Um, <laughs> and you know, actually, I, I talked about uh, some some things as well, so I just want to bring this up. So uh, we did obviously the man of the match poll um, as well, Dan, on the uh, Stoke City from all around the world Facebook group. So uh, there's around five thousand plus Stokey. So if anyone wants to join a bit of a community there, go and go and check out the book, the group. But um, yeah, so the, we gave them three options and I'll be honest, mate, we could have given them a hell of a lot more than three, but uh, we gave them Klukas, Jackie Alka and Wright Phillips. Um, so in third place uh, is Sam Klukas. He got 19 votes. Uh, second place was uh, Jaggy Alka, who actually surprisingly haven't mentioned. Uh, it was a solid game. Um, so Jaggy Alka was second with 43. And you won't be surprised if you do the maths that Wright Phillips uh, won that one with a massive 407 um, positive votes. So um, a good 460 odd people voted on that one. And it was very, very similar on the Twitter as well, mate. So um, I'd probably say that that's a fair result. Uh, would you put Jaggy Alka second, Dan? Yeah, I thought um, as debuts for 39-year-olds go, we couldn't really have any complaints. thought he was brilliant. Um, Concrete, one. He? Showed exactly, yeah. Uh, and he nearly, he nearly grabbed himself a couple of goals as well, didn't he? Yeah. So uh, if he's going to be, you know, when Mario's back and stuff as well, if he's going to be dangerous in the box at the other end, that could you know, that's an added uh, bonus as well. I well it's like, been long I enough since we've had a, stra- a defender who can actually score goals, and it? it's been a while. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Harwood Bellis had a, a solid game. Nothing. I noticed there was what I did notice early on. He got nutmegged, <laughs> and it showed. It showed to me like the standards that he holds to himself because he got nutmegged, and he he turned round immediately and he didn't chase after the man or he didn't you know look up at the sky or look at the floor. Or whatever. He immediately spun around and he he saw that I think. I think Joe Allen had come across to cover the man who'd megged him. So he straight away went in and picked up Joe Allen's man. Yeah. And I thought that's it's one, it was clever. It showed great awareness for such a young player. But also, as soon as the ball went out, he was sort you you saw him like he jumped in the air and threw his fist like as if he was really annoyed with himself that he'd been caught out. And it showed to me, like, you know, he, he's, his standards are obviously really high for himself. And yeah. he's thinking, you know, I don't want... And it just... I mean, I, I'm not beating out because, you know, you said it earlier on, and you whole had a few opportunities. They did seem to fall back post on James Chester's side. <laughs> but he did, other than that, other than picking people up there, and you could argue that maybe, I mean, time maybe could have come across a bit more or whatever... He did have a he had his best game for a while, I thought, Chester. Um, yeah. But when you see that James Chester, maybe Danny Bart as well, when they make a mistake or thing, it's more like they look you resigned to that fact, like, oh, that's the best I could do, and look what's happened. Whereas he's sort of young and he's, well, that's not going to happen again. I'm going to be better than that. I need to be better than that. Whereas they sort, you know, it's that sort of the other end of the scale, isn't it? That they look resigned that they can't stop those things happening. Yeah, yeah, and exactly also, that, what, mate. What a leap he has on him as well, Howard <laughs> Bellis, because he's not the tallest, but he gets he gets high, he gets up high for these headers and stuff. The Ronaldo of the defence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, I think the uh, did you notice the second goal as well? It was a great tackle from Chester. Uh, come won the ball and anticipated the pass really well. Yeah, it was a good sort of block tackle. Got in, got in before the uh, ball got to the attacker. So then uh, he obviously went to Klukas. He's got great vision there. He's pulled it back and Ince has, has you know stuck it in the stuck it in the in the corner, hasn't he? So what yeah. what's that? What's all that? Chester, Klukas, and Ince. Three ex-Hull players. Yeah, and three players that you would probably say that most fans wouldn't have wanted on the pitch a few weeks ago. So, yeah. so it's, I mean, so... don't get me wrong. Let's not pretend that Hull are a Fulham. Do you know what I mean? But we can only, you can only beat what's in front of you. It was still the typical Stoke Banana skin that we could have easily gone and, and lost that type of game. Right now, it's in the 90th minute and Hull are beating Blackburn 2-0. So this is the championship in it. Uh, exactly that, mate. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, but I mean, actually, I'm not going to go on to that. We'll go on to form later. Um, I think. So I think one, pretty... one more thing I'd just say as well is like Lewis Baker, very promising. Twenty minutes for him when he came on. Thought he was tenacious. He got stuck in. He uses his body well, like physically, when he's challenging for the ball. Um, and he had a he burst forward a couple of times. Had a couple of shots, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you know how many shots we had on? So I cannot remember a Stoke side having this many shots in a game 
He had 22 shots at goal. Bloody hell. I, can't, I never remember a Stoke side having a shot every four minutes of the game. <laughs> but, Jeez, um, no, didn't realise it was that many. Yeah, but I think as well, like, I th- the first thing Baker did was there was a cross came in from the whole left. So, like, you know, Tommy Smith's side, our right side. And he got himself in the perfect position where the ball came in and he just got a toe on it. He went back to the keeper. But I just looked, looking at his position in there, and he just automatically took up that. And it was the first thing he did when he came on the pitch. And I thought, yeah, you, you've got the right mindset for that position. If he's going to play in front of the defence, he knows that's exactly the perfect area to go because you're stopping, stopping the cross coming in there. And anything loose, he's got, you know, he's he's covered the wing back if he gets past him. Um, he's not, he's too just right distance in front of the centre halves to not be, a, you know, sort of in their way kind of thing and stop them challenging for any headers or anything. And he, I thought, yeah, he's he's sort of picked up a really nice position and he obviously knows what he's doing there. So that all bodes well as well. Yeah, absolutely, mate. But it'd be interesting to see. If he gets in straight away in the Fulham match, um, or not, to be honest with you, um, it'll be it'll be interesting because uh, there's going to be a bit of moving around, I think, realistically. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I can't can't disagree with anything you've said, mate. Cool. Well, I think that pretty much covers the uh, the whole game. Uh, I know we could kind of go on for a bit longer with that one, but uh, we've covered the main areas, Dan. So uh, let's move on to the Stoke City news this week. Okay then, so uh, just to kick off the news this week, so um, it feels a bit strange talking about them, to be honest, Dan, because they've already played a game for us, but uh, the kind of Jagielka and Baker um, in particular uh, obviously signed for us after our kind of original podcast recording, um, and as we've all kind of seen them uh, once or twice, I'm sorry, once rather, uh, we all kind of uh, know exactly what to kind of expect in theory. But, um, but Dan, yeah, so obviously Jagielka, we, we briefly mentioned him just about his performance and stuff like that um, at the weekend. So, um, again, I think what you said, he was very kind of controlling, you know, really, really well played. Um, I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, we don't really need defenders. We don't need this. We don't need that. Um, what was your general uh, feeling on Jaggy Elka, mate? Were you quite, um, obviously, I know you were quite impressed with him, but do you think that's a, a position that you, you're kind of glad we've kind of plugged the gap in? Or would you have not? Would you have not signed Jagielka? Is that what? What's your overall thoughts about him? No, I was actually really happy with the signing when he came through. I think um, looking sort of online, there seemed to be two camps, weren't there? There was the great experience, going to be a great leader, uh, part of the derby, you know, defence that's doing really solid and, and tight all year. Uh, and is doing really well in, in you know really difficult circumstances, and that was in that camp. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then there was um, the other side, which was just sort of like, why are we signing thirty-nine-year-old defenders? Which I do understand, um, but at the same time, I think in a back three, if you're in the centre of a back three and you've got youth and pace around you, you can sort of get away with that, especially if you are coming down the leagues a bit. You know, let's, let's not forget, Phil Jagielka has played, what was it, about 40 times for England? Yeah. Yeah, so, do you know what I mean? He's got, what, 400-odd Premier League appearances. 
he's got a lot of experience. And as a centre half, and I put a tweet out the other day saying, you know, the first two, three yards are in your head as a centre half. You know, and you as your legs go, you pick that up. So he, he's for me, he was no brainer, especially as well. We you know, we we've sort of needed leaders, haven't we? I think yeah. you know. That, yeah. Remember that Cardiff game where it just sort of went and like bang, bang, bang. And I know the defense has been a lot tighter since then, but you still have that worry, really, that you know how many times have we been one 0 up and lost two one because we don't have, we don't seem to have people on the pitch who are capable of, you know, just sort of directing traffic when things are going against us and turning the tide back. You know, it's like yeah, even even going down and dis- disrupting the game, you know, yeah, pretending to be like, injured, just experience in it. Yeah, if the opposition have got momentum, it's like we also we seem to, you know, metaphorically be running around like headless chickens with panicking, and it's like you just need somebody calm and assured, experienced, just be like right, you stand there, you stand there, you play, you mark him, you go close to. You make sure you're this side of that. It's just boom. And then all of a sudden it's like, right, okay, and now breathe and let's carry on. <laughs> it just, I yeah. think, somebody, he's, he's obviously going to do that role. Uh, he's going to have the respect of the, the dressing room as well because of obviously everything he's achieved. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer for me. He's not going to be on big money either. Uh, no, I was going to say that. He's going to be quite cheap, isn't he? Because yeah. I mean, Derby haven't exactly been able to pay a lot of money, have they? For obvious reasons. Not at all. And, you know, for somebody like him, if, if he's, like I say, he is dropping down from where he's played the majority of his career. He, so, you know, that tells me he's probably doing it for the love of it. He's not telling me he needs the money kind of thing. He's doing it because he wants he wants to carry on playing football and he's enjoying it. Yeah. And, and, and in fairness, I mean, would he have got a bigger club than, than Stoke in terms of the championship? A team who actually needs that position, probably not. To be honest, um, I, yeah, I can't he's got the location how many people in that well. top eight. Got the location, you know. He knows we're a good club. We've obviously got a manager who clearly is, is interested in him. So yeah, I think it's a good signing, mate, for the exact same reasons that the kind of you've touched on. Um, to, to be honest with you, and I must admit, a lot of us didn't really know um too much about him before he came. I think, as you rightly point out, you know, we we knew that he was part of a good a derby team who uh before all this hullabaloo again that's going on um we were all saying there's no way that they're going to go down um but you know that obviously could change very much now but either way you know i think we we always like to kind of reach out uh to, to obviously people to try and get some kind of negatives and positives about them things that we don't really know so um basically Corey from the rams review podcast uh, gave us his thoughts in terms of what we should expect from Jagielka, and I think it's quite quite interesting. He gives it kind of an overview of of generally one of his weaker areas, um, but also uh, quite a lot of strengths. Um, so I think they're, they're very sorry to see him go down. So uh, let's have a, a quick listen to see what he had to say. Anyway, hey there, Stoke fans! It's Corey from the Rams Review Podcast, where we talk all things Derby County. Hopefully once a week, but sometimes twice a week. It's all a bit grim at the moment um, and, and whatnot. But anyways, here I'm here to talk about. Um, Phil Jagielka. So thank you for, for every step along the way, asking me to come on and give some thoughts on Phil Jagielka. I think when he was signed in summer, you kind of thinking 39 year old center half, God, garbage really scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but it's been really clear since Phil's come in in that six month period of time that um, he's an, uh, emerged. He was he emerged as a very key player for Darby. And to be honest with you, when he departed last week, I know Darby were going to offer him rumored an 18 month extension, but that obviously got kicked in the head, which is why he's joined you guys. Um, 
but I was absolutely gutted to lose him as a 39 year old. He's an absolute Rolls Royce of a defender. Um, what are you going to get? You're going to get somebody with massive leadership qualities with massive amounts of ability and talent and, and class. And that'll ooze through despite his age, um, his strengths. I mean, he can, he marshals a defense very well. He's very vocal. Um, very good in the air and very good in a tackle. Sometimes weakness wise, he can get caught out a little bit with pace, but that's not been too often that we saw with Darby because his positioning again was so good. Um, but on the few times uh, that he does get caught out, you know, uh, you have a quick fullback or quick midfielder that can come back and make that recovery run or the other center half can come over and, and clear up that danger quite easily. So um, I think for Phil, you know, it, it's a good move for him to get back in, into the championship stoke as quick as possible now that he's in the twilight of his career. But um, us, as, us as Derby supporters and us as a Derby podcaster kind of are gutted to lose him because he was an instrumental part in, in our uh, great defensive record so far this season, um, which has otherwise obviously been bleak. But um, yeah, uh, wish him all the best and I hope to see him uh, continue on because I think if Darby were going to mention uh, offer him an 18 month contract, he's obviously got a lot more miles in the tank. So hopefully, hopefully you guys see the best of him. Hopefully he does well for you. Um, and uh, all the best. And thanks a lot for allowing us to come on and everything like that, but um, really appreciate the opportunity and, and Phil Jack Elk is going to be a massive, massive player for you. So we wish Phil all the best. We wish you guys all the best the rest of the season. And I hope that we can speak again next season. Um, if hopefully we're in the same division or even have a football club. So thank you so much um, for allowing me this opportunity. And um, until next time. Yep. Cheers for that, Corey. Much appreciated, mate. So uh, it sounds like to me, Dan, that they're very sorry to uh, to kind of see him go. And uh, as he kind of pointed out, you know, if I think if, if obviously 39 years old, if he didn't have much left in the tank, like Corey said, then they wouldn't have been trying to offer him another 18 months. So he's obviously a very fit 39 year old who can go on for some time. Yeah. And uh, it's also nice for him, isn't it? That his career has come full, full circle. He's back at the club where he first started out as a, as a schoolboy. Um, so yeah. yeah. And then obviously as well, I mean, is his brother passed away, didn't he, last year? And obviously his brother was a few years ahead of him at Stoke and obviously played for Stoke as well. So it's um, maybe nice for him as well, something like that. You never know, do you? Just maybe sort of ticks a box in his head. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So I'm intrigued to see how he gets on this season. I think he'll definitely be a positive. Um, can't see any problems there. Um, and obviously, say Baker again, um, someone as we know, we've just signed, uh, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think, that, uh, Dan, actually, Baker, how how long was the deal again? Was it two years? Uh, yeah, two and a half years. Two and a half years, yeah. So uh, again, obviously, a player I didn't actually know an awful lot about. I know we tried to sign him. Uh, permanently, I think there was the other season. Um, and I think it was one of them that just kind of went quiet. So I'm not sure whether FFP reared its head at that point, which meant we, you know, obviously we had to pay a fee for him uh, to get him out at that point. And obviously maybe that just wasn't viable, but obviously he got his man in the end anyway. Um, and like, like we said earlier, you know, the brief cameo was uh, was pretty solid. Um, but I mean, where do, you, where do you see Baker's position, Dan? Because we all know he's one of them kind of like, defensive kind of box-to-box midfielders so when we've got Mario fit when we've got Powell fit when we've got you know Klukas and we've got Allen and we've got Sawyers that's a lot of midfield middle spots and I know that feels a long way away because of injuries at the minute but it's not going to be so what what are we doing in that midfield what do you think or shall we say what do you think O'Neill will do in that midfield yeah I mean I think we mentioned there didn't we in the whole game now in the review of that 
that he's the positions that he took up when he came on straight away. I think that shows that naturally his best position is probably going to be sort of that defensive midfield area, sort of you know, shadow, you know, um, protecting the back five, if you like. And yeah, I, I can see him playing there. He's got that that nice burst forward, something we saw from like Romain Sawyer's, where he can sort of can get in your sort of a, a bit of a groove carrying the ball and go past people as well. So I think him and Sawyer's are probably going to be vying for that position there. He's going to be, to me, he's going to be adding more stability defensively, uh, definitely, than Sawyer's does. It's whether um, he can actually, going forward, but from what things I've seen, he's, he's very good going forward as well. I wouldn't tag him definitely as a defensive player, uh, but it's obviously, it, that's really what, you know, anyone can look good in these YouTube videos. It's what I've Physically going to see into it, um, but yeah, yeah he definitely. I, I can see. Oh, sorry, go on. He definitely. I think he's. That you said. I wouldn't pigeon him all into any role as such, but I think that's where we'll be using him straight away. But I think if we, if you wanted to push him further forward, I'm sure he he could play that role as well. Yeah, I will play in the exact same position as you. Um, I guess he's just going to move Joe Allen and Co further forward, um, really, which. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's if that's a good thing or not with Joe Allen. It's it's a bit of a strange one. I really I've got you know I've got nothing overly bad to say about Joe Allen, but um I still find myself not knowing where his best position is. If I'm honest with you, I don't think we've, we we know anybody knows, do they? It's no. anyway. This is where I'm going to butcher somebody's name, and I apologise. Um, someone's <laughs> going to laugh at me here, right? So, uh, I've seen the report today that 19-year-old uh, Philogene Badace, uh, if that's how you pronounce his name, is apparently about to arrive on loan from Aston Villa. Uh, we've we've been watching him for some time, according to the reports, anyway. Um, and he's a, he's a young striker, and he plays for Villa. I can't say I know an awful lot about him, Dan. Um, to, to be honest with you, um, the one thing, however, and I'm, I'm sure you may have potentially some some stats about him, but uh, one thing I want to ask you really about another striker signing. I do use and emphasise the word another. Um, now we obviously haven't got a prolific goal scorer as such right now, despite the amount of strikers we have. But Sam Surridge, um, the guy's not clearly. I don't know what's going on, but he's not settled in. He's not really playing the cup games. Um, he almost feels like he's not. Um, I mean, you're blowing your full-time whistle, are you, Dan. Uh, so it sounds yeah. like you're not even. Um, it does not. Is there a place for Surridge? I mean, is this? I can't. I can't figure that one out, mate. And if we're about bringing another striker in, surely that pushes Sam even further down the pecking order. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't bode well for him, does it? I mean. The uh, the lad we've been watching, I'm not surprised because we remember in our under 23s lost eight 0 to Aston Villa. Uh, yeah. He got he got himself a hat trick and an assist <laughs> that day as well. So I'm sure that's maybe where he uh, came on the radar. Hopefully we're not just watching him once like Mbula, mate, because we all know how that one panned out. <laughs> but I, I'll be honest, I have not seen him play. I, I know nothing about him apart from I've seen today that. Basically, any club in the championship would want him. So, if that's the case, then he's a welcome addition because, yeah, it's and he, he just it's going to be another exciting talent to bring in, isn't he? Another, you mm-hmm. know, him and Wright Phillips is, is you know, he's 
it's good to have these youngsters in and around the side. It gives everybody a lift. It's exciting for the supporters as well. Um, let's just hope that he makes a bigger you know, impact initially than maybe Jack Clark and Rabbi Matondo did last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is with Sam Sturridge, mate. I, I, I can't. I can't figure it out. I mean, he obviously didn't get too far at Bournemouth. Um, he's come here, got off to a flyer, and all of a sudden doesn't even seem to be. I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem to be firing, and it doesn't even seem to be clearly doing well enough in training to get himself starting cup games late, late against Leighton Orient and Co. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what will happen in January, but I really can seriously see Surridge leaving. I think, again, it comes down to FFP. Yeah, he That's didn't He didn't play um, He didn't play for Bournemouth at the start of the season, you know, so he's only played for us. So we can sell him or loan him out and he can play for somebody else this season. Um, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of a lot of competition up there, and I think if we get to the end of the window um, and we've brought in the, this young player from Aston Villa, or if what's, not what's him, his name, somebody Dan? Else, what's uh, his name? I'll, 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 I'll master it by next week. How about that? <laughs> You're going to YouTube it now for someone just to say his name, aren't you? Somebody <laughs> cheating. Sorry, carry on. I'll see. I'll see if Alexa knows. She can teach me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, well. Uh, yeah, if we get him in or another attacker between now and the end of the window, I think Surrey's out will be one of those. The manager won't want to commit to it early, but when there's clubs scratching around for transfers, last-minute deals, and they're a bit desperate, it wouldn't surprise me for the phone call to go in. And even if they did, you know, who have you got available at Stoke up front? You've got a lot of strikers, or any of them available. And it might be that Sam Surridge, whether that be a loan... You pay all his wages, is on loan and you know decent loan fee, or whether it's a permanent transfer. Yeah, I can I can see him leaving because, like you say, he's not sort of going to be getting much game time as it stands. And I think he, he maybe has been a little bit odd, don't you really? Because I think he's only started half a dozen games this season. He's got himself, but is it four goals? He scored four goals mm. in six games. And that's league and cup. And you just think, yeah, he's, he's never really had that run. And for a striker that's based on, you know, he is a goal poacher kind of thing. His game's all about being the, you know, he's he's not much in the link up and stuff. He just relies on service, and he'll get himself in the right area and get his shots in. They usually the kind of strikers, aren't they, that require, you know, a little bit of a run of games to get themselves sort of in the in the zone kind of thing. So you do I do feel for him a bit there, but at the same time, when we've got as many options as we have, you aren't going to get a run of games if you're not performing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Um and uh, I think people will be very happy because Danny Bart or Bath or Bath with one T, Bath with two T's, I think people it, don't have to worry about that that one anymore, mate. Bart. He's got. Have you, have, you go, not seen, have, you not, have you not seen his Twitter bio? Yes, I'm. I'm fully aware of his Twitter bio. I'm just. Uh, for, <laughs> I'm just thinking for all the people who keep misspelling his name, um, and keep pronouncing his name. You don't need to worry anymore. He's. Uh, he's basically left uh, today. Of course, he's gone to Sunderland. I believe he's taken a quite a hefty pay drop um, to go to Sunderland as well. So um, 
clearly a, a player who isn't in it for the money anymore. He's probably got more than enough money to last him and his kids and his kids' kids long enough. So um, he's clearly dropped down uh, to get game time. I thought it was really weird because when he was left out at the weekend, everyone was like, is it COVID or what is it? How, how, has, how has he been dropped for Chester and all that? And I think had Danny Bart been available... I don't think he would have been played. Uh, sorry, Chester wouldn't have been played over Danny Bart. But um, yeah, I think it was it was very interesting to see him go so quick. It's clearly been bubbling uh, for a few weeks, uh, no doubt. Um, and you know, people were saying to you know today when he when it was announced, you know, why why is it not Chester instead? And let's be honest, the simple answer to that is because nobody bloody wants Chester. That, that's why. <laughs> um, you know, so Bart still obviously got a lot to offer, and I think in somewhere like, you know, League One, where it's going to be a bit more rough and tumble. It's about just getting your head on the ball, physicality, not having to play out from the back every five seconds that we have to play here, really. He's he's probably going to thrive at Sunderland. I'm sure he'll be what probably end up being their player of the season by the end of it. Um, I think that suits him really well. Um, and Dan, I know that there was a comment that you made to me earlier on, mate, about Danny Barr and how he was received or how his sale was received by people. Um, so I will let you make your comment now on that, because it's a very, it's a very fair comment. When we saw him at Blackpool, we put him in our our man of the match poll. And what do you, do you remember before we even left the stadium? Someone yeah. was calling us out saying, what game did you watch? He was a load of crap. He'll do nothing. So I'll let you carry yeah. on the comment. Yeah, so I remember that last season when we were playing the back three and we didn't really have the best players for us, but obviously Michael O'Neill was sort of using sort of the, the second half of last season when it became apparent that we weren't good enough to get in the playoffs. He was using that to work out who was suitable for this system because that's what he wanted to play going forward. Now, obviously, Harry Souter was the centre of that back three and Danny Bart was playing on one side, which means, obviously, he's not then... Uh, he's going to be dragged out to the wide areas and it's a very different position playing on the right or the left than it is in the middle. We said, at the same throughout this season, if he's going to play, he needs to play instead of Souter. Souter's far superior to him so he's going to have to wait, and it's only going to be injury that's going to bring him into the side. And that's what happened. And when he came in the side, in the centre, that's a perfect role for him, and he played well. And he did. He's played really well. But we've had people saying, like, oh, yeah, he's, what, you know, why are we selling him? Why? He's a brilliant player. 100%. Fantastic. Never let us down. He's always played well. All I'll say is if you go and type in, go go into search engines, Twitter, whatever, and type in Bart, not good enough, and you will see comment after comment after comment from the end of last season when he was being played like opposition, and everyone's saying, I hope he never puts the shirt on again. He's not good enough. Get him out of our club. He's not, Danny Bart's not even trying anymore. He's a, he's a disgrace. Why is he still playing? It's, <laughs> what it's it's funny how like if if Matt, if he if Danny Bart plays next season then Michael O'Neill needs to be sacked. I saw that one earlier on when I was looking to him. It's like and then six months down the line he's now being why are we selling him? He's the best, you know. He's, he's always been fantastic and all this. He's always give hundred percent. But it's funny how how people have a go at players 
and he, like I say, he's being played out of position. His stats yeah. here, 101 starts, six sub appearances, six goals. And I'll tell you what, them six goals, some of them were vital, especially when we, we had that project restart. He came, he scored, I think he scored it three in four games. And they yeah. were really important goals that helped us to move away from the relegation zone. Um, yeah, too I think he, it. He, he did Typical always give 100%. football fans. Yeah, he did always give 100%. He, he always tried his best, but sometimes he was played in positions that didn't favour him and didn't suit the kind of defender he is. Um, played to his strengths. He was, fan, he was fantastic. Um, just don't ask him to sort of dispute the ball like a Harry Suter would or a Ben Wilmot would, because that's not his game and he's going to run into trouble. And that's what happened. Um, yeah. People are asking why Chester's gone, why Chester's still here, sorry, and Bart's gone. I'd say it's mainly due to FFP, the wages, getting the that wage bill. Um, we, we benefit a lot more from getting Bart off the wage bill than we do Chester. That, well, that's I was going to say, Danny's uh, again. It's, it's reported, but Danny was on about twenty-four grand a week. Um, obviously, that's without appearance fees. That's without goal-scoring bonuses, clean sheet bonuses. So yeah, he probably he probably wasn't a very cheap hire, to be honest, mate. He's, he probably is on more than than James Chester, believe it or not. Um, yeah, well, so Danny, yeah. sorry, Danny Bart was one of obviously he's one of the few remaining ones now from. That period, isn't he, when we were just flashing the cash and just throwing it around yep. trying to, to get promoted. You know, you look at probably Sam Clucas, Joe Allen. There's not really uh, Tommy Smith. That's probably the three, I'd say. I can't think of anybody else who were first teamers at that time. You know, the Gary Rowity, if you like. Yeah, yeah, we did really <laughs> well with that money, didn't we? Um, oh, Tom Ince. Tom Ince as well. Yeah, Tom Ince. But like, like I say, mate, it's... Uh, Again, got nothing bad to say about Danny. I thought I thought he was I thought he was pretty solid. Didn't do anything special, but as you said, there's a few crucial goals at the right time. So uh, good luck to him anyway. Um, I'm not sure if we'll ever see him back at the stadium because Sunderland is some way away, but who knows? Um, and then just very quickly, a couple of other uh, levers that have been mentioned today. So uh, Tom Edwards was an interesting one. I think I'd be a bit surprised if he's going, but the rumour is that he's going to go for $1 million to New York Red Bulls, I think it was. Um, so, you know, there's potentially a deal there. Again, is this just us having an offer for a player who isn't necessarily, you know, an absolute must keep and we've we've got a chance to get wages off the book and what is probably 750 grand, I guess, by the time you've done the conversion. So um, maybe that's part of that. And then, again, I'll couple that with uh, Davis, who apparently is a target for Sheffield United as well. Um, thing before we close out this new section, um, obviously a very big uh, potential lever, which I'll be surprised, but uh, obviously everyone's heard about it now, Tyrese Campbell. Uh, so again, for anyone who has missed it, apparently Burnley want him, having obviously just uh, pocketed £25 million, uh, for the chap that's gone to Newcastle. So, um, I mean, people were saying, you know, Ty, a couple of comments, and I think you picked up on Dan, you know, Ty hasn't done great since he came back. And I think he's, what was it, scored three and, and six? Yeah, uh, three, I think Tyrese. Three goals and six starts. <laughs> there you go. So that's that's not that's not too bad. Um, and I think you know, what would it take for Stoke to accept a bid? I know there's 15 million quid flying around. For me, right now, I don't think that would be a good value deal. I know again we bang on about FFP, but that would obviously clear that issue up. 
I, I get it from that I side. Hope so. But purely from a, <laughs> yeah, you bloody well hope so, wouldn't you? Uh, but from a foot uh, a footballing perspective, again, if we want to be fighting at the top end of that division, you don't want a striker who since he's come back from a long term injury with a one and two uh, a goal every two games as a ratio. You don't want to be letting that type of a player go. No, definitely not. I mean, people. It was said once that you know he's not the player that he was before his injury. He's not contributed to games. He's not sharp. And I think I made the point uh, to somebody as well that Rory Delap. I remember when he broke his leg and he came back from that and he missed the preseason. And he came back and he's basically spent the next. He spent the rest of that season playing catch up because he wasn't as sharp. And you're playing games. And you don't look mobile, you don't look sharp, you don't look fit, you don't look agile, because you're not really in comparison to the other twenty, you know, the other nineteen outfield players on the pitch. And it's only when you, you know, if we could have afforded to say, Tyrese Campbell, you are going to do your own preseason, uh, you're going to play, you know, you're going to be trained running up hills for, you know, th- three weeks, and then you're going to be doing this fitness training, and you're going to be we're going to stick in four or five friendlies and then you'll come in and start playing the first team. I'm sure he'd look a lot a damn sight sharper and fitter. But the fact is, he's playing the championship where you play game game after game after game, one after another, and, and he's, he's struggling to get you know, struggling to get that match sharpness. And then you've got training grounds being shut and being opened back up again. And <laughs> so it's 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 not an easy period for anybody at the minute, but especially coming back from a long term injury it must be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But let let's say a bid comes in. At what amount in January right now, your you know, your Peter Coates, what amount of money would you accept? Do you would you say, Luke, you've got twenty five million for that player? We think we uh, Tyrese is worth at least that, so we want twenty five million quid, or he goes nowhere. You... We should really, if they just sold Chris Wood for twenty five million, we should do what other clubs do and say, you know, well, we know you've got the money. If you want him, he's if he keeps you up in the Premier League, he's worth hundred million pounds. So we want thirty. Yeah. Plus add-ons. Yeah, plus add-ons. If you you know if you stay up, we want or twenty five, another five if you stay up. Another five if he plays for England, you know, just those those kind of deals. Um, however, the the flip side of that is Burnley know full well or are going to be thinking Stoke City are in, not in a position to be turning down big bids. Tyrese wanting to go there, mate. Either I mean, back in Burnley the are very likely to come time. back in the Championship. Yeah. So I mean, are, are they even going to want to pay twenty million, twenty five million for a player that could be a Championship player in? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a lazy link, mate. I, maybe we'll see. I, I yeah, don't see him going. He has been linked with. You know, he was linked with Newcastle, wasn't he, as well, uh, the yeah. other week? And he's, he has been linked with a few clubs. I think it's just. It's just that obviously they see this player who was, you know, lighting the championship up last season before his injury, and all these rumours would have been coming around last January and last summer wouldn't they if he hadn't been injured so I yeah. think maybe it's just them going right okay Burnley is a striker who were the top championship strikers and straight away Tyrese Campbell yeah yeah that's fine mate well we'll, we'll see I don't see him going anywhere 
um but we'll uh, we'll certainly see in the next uh, two weeks so cool i think that pretty much ties up uh, the new section so uh, let's head into the fulham preview <laughs> So, yeah, so we welcome Table Toppers Fulham to the Bet365 Stadium on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, are you looking forward to this one, Mark? Um, yeah, I am, mate, to be honest. Um, I think it's going to be tighter than we probably all actually think in our heads. I think a hard to say, no, we're going we're gonna to give them a good game. Um, but, no, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'm not going to say this is going to decide how good or bad we are because Fulham are like romping home the goals right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Okay, so you say Fulham are romping home the goals. I'm going to give you some stats now. I love some stats, don't I? So let's what go. Mr. Stato. Yep. So they've scored 19 goals in the last three games. 19-3. They've got 70 so far this season, which is a record since the EFL was rebranded. And it was like the championship came in. That's a record for this stage of the season. And they are on course to be the first club to get 100, 100 goals in a season. Wow. <laughs> no team has scored six. Um, no, <laughs> no team has scored six goals or more in three consecutive games since the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great town to play, Stoke. <laughs> right. However, now, do you want some more positive stats? Now they're all the negative ones. Here's the positive ones. Before this, before this run of three games, in their six games previous to that, they didn't win any of them over ninety minutes because they had a cup game that they won one nil in extra time. And in them six games, they only scored three goals in total. Mm. So, they, so they've gone from scoring three in six games and not winning any of them games to scoring nineteen in three. So they're not, you know, that's 22 and nine, still a decent record, but there's, you know, there are flaws there. They seem to have hit in a purple patch at the minute. It's whether they can carry it on. Yeah, and let's now, be honest, mate, as well. I'm sorry to jump in there, but those, those games you're on about, those, those six goal wins, they're against Reading, Bristol and Birmingham. They're hardly Stoke, Bournemouth and whoever, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they might be more potent now, but they're also more vulnerable. So, in the last two games, they've only conceded one less goal than they did in the last 13 games before that combined. Hmm. Hmm. So, they've conceded four goals in the last two, but in the 13 games before that, they only conceded five. So, although they're scoring more, there's also gaps to be exploited and like I say if Birmingham can get a couple of goals Bristol City have got a couple of goals against them then you know yeah. well, well, that's we a can, uh, now these are really good stats <laughs> the head to head at Stoke eight of the last nine games have been won uh, the head to head versus Stoke sorry eight of the last nine games have been won to nil how good is that? So there's been four Fulham wins and four Stoke wins in the last nine games that have each been one to nil. And then there was a, a goal, a, a Stoke win in both teams to score as well. However, at Stoke, Stoke have won six of the last seven meetings, including the last four. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. So we were in good stats. And now, yeah, how how to say that Alexander Mitrovic uh, makes them a one-man team without actually saying he does? Because I know that, you know, the goals come from everywhere, don't they? And they score... Uh, you know, and they've got all these different players, you know, Carvalho, Bobby Reed, all, you know, a lot of players score goals for Fulham and contribute to their wins. And so people say, oh, you know, even if you take Mitrovic out, they still score, they still win games. Well, how about this, right? Alexander Mitrovic has scored in 17 games for Fulham this season. They've won 15 of them and drew two. So they're unbeaten when he has scored. He hasn't scored in nine games. They've drew four, lost four, and the only game that they've won when he hasn't scored is last night. Ah. So, so Croggy, yeah. in the first five minutes, somebody just go yeah. through the back of him and hurt him. So, Although, yeah, they may have many other players, and last night they didn't really need him to do by the looks of it, because <laughs> he won 6 2 and he didn't score. Um, yeah, to, you know, throughout the rest of the season, the stats would say Mitrovic scores, they win. Mitrovic doesn't, and they don't win. Now, his, re- his record versus Stoke, his career record, he scored one goal in five games. That one goal was at Craven Cottage earlier this season, but he also had a penalty saved by Bursic in the same game, didn't he? So he's not got a great record against Stoke either. Right, OK. So I'm just I'm just pumping the positivity in there. I'm just giving people hope. Just yeah. But I was going to say, my, my prediction later, mate, would have been Stoke 1, Fulham 0. So, hmm. I'm, I'm, it's, it's weird, right? Because I said earlier on on Twitter the other day that if you're going to have a bet on the Stoke game this weekend, you'd be stupid not to have over two and a half goals because you'd yeah. be practically buying money. Um, but how Stoke would it be to go and win the game against Fulham and lose to Coventry in the week? Wouldn't that just be Stoke all over? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, some good stats, mate. I mean, yeah, I've always thought you know, with Mitch and I wondered how many would actually they'd actually won without him. Um, so yeah, yeah, very interesting. I mean, what what, what do you think is going to happen to the to the Fulham game? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going one 0 myself, um, despite the fact that I think we should have all have a bet over two and a half. But yeah, I think I think one nil. Uh, are you being that positive, or are you still going for a Fulham win? Or no, no, I I uh, I think we'll win. Yeah, I really do. I think. I even think maybe two 0 and I'm not saying I'm not saying like you know well, we're just going to walk in. I just think we played so well last year, last week, sorry, and you know, we've got new faces in. We've everyone seems to have upped the level, and I think now they up the level at Hull. They got the result, but the confidence is up. I mean, Tom Ince is like a player reborn, isn't he? <laughs> it's like it's like a new signing, and. Um, and obviously, the Fulham coming to town, I think they'll keep that levels up. They'll have been looking forward to this game all week. And, you know, I think the, if we if we hadn't to beat Hull last week, they'd have been dreading this game all week, wouldn't they? 
It would have been looking yeah. at thinking, oh, oh no, you know, <laughs> look how many goals he's scoring. Look at this. They beat us 3 0 at the start of the season. This is, you know, what we're we going to look at. But we've got new faces. There's optimism around this. They seem to be. They seem to really enjoy themselves last week as well, which hasn't always been the case lately. And like I say, back to back wins. I know one was in the cup, but still, it's confidence. We've got a goalkeeper who's got back to back clean sheets. Still not been beaten, not been tested amazingly, but for him in his confidence, you know, he's got them. Like I say, back to back clean sheets. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we will go out there, positive frame of mind. The crowd is going to be massive. We need the crowd behind us from minute one. Uh, similar to how we were against West Brom, they'll need our support. And I'm sure that, you know, they'll they'll get it from early on. And it's it's down to sort of the players to keep the fans engaged and the fans to keep the players, you know, backing them and make keep just giving that, you know, the, the 12th man that we were famous for once upon a time. Yeah, because let's let's be honest, mate, we haven't even had five men, never mind bloody 12th man. I mean, it's been a dreadful <laughs> atmosphere all bloody season. Um, and it has been very much uh, turn up and it's down to the players to to turn the fans on. I think that, that's been... Which, you know, there's an element of that which is fair enough. Um, but I still think the fans haven't been great and people haven't been turning up. Um, in their numbers, unfortunately, either. Uh, again, finances probably have a lot of p- things to play with that. We're in a different world now. Everything's tight. Energy's going up, etc. You know, people's circumstances have changed, so I- I'm not criticising in any way. I'm just saying that those who do turn up, um, because they can, just speak up. Because, as you rightly point out, mate, if it's games like this, it could make all the difference. And in Christ, you know, how we've just beaten Hull, if we can beat Fulham, and then if we can beat Coventry, that puts us firmly in them playoffs um, and with momentum, with winnable, in theory, games coming up. So um, it could be the start of a, of a good run, uh, this could now. If we just get a little bit of luck and a little bit of fortune and uh, good play, integrate these players, we, we could somehow, not somehow, but we, we could very much start to cement a bit more of a playoff push. So, yeah, interesting. But I mean, obviously you you set your prediction there. I mean, you, you did you say one nil? You're going for now. I'm going for one nil. Yeah, I think I think we're going to sneak it. Well, let's have a listen to what Graham McGarry thinks. Hi there, you Potter's podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potter's prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Hello there once again, you Potters predictors. Having a listen to see what I'm going to go for this weekend. It's Graham McGarry once again with the Stoke City prediction. Well, we didn't get it exactly right last weekend against Hull City, but we did predict a Potter's win. Now, the metal and acid test is coming this weekend when the league leaders and goal-scoring informed Fulham are coming to the Bet365 Stadium. It's been a long time since those Stoke City fans have witnessed a home win in the league. Well, it could be a coupon buster this weekend because I think Stoke are geared up, in form, got some confidence, 
to go and take on the league leaders. Tight affair, but a Potter's home win. That might surprise a few of you. Stoke City 1, Fulham 0. Oh, so now we know who's been listening to Graham McGarry's uh, prediction before they come on here, don't we? <laughs> Uh, no, Everything. I think Graham really be- asked, Yeah, I think he's copied off me Let's be honest Ever so predictable, Michael Ever so predictable <laughs> Well, you see, now with Graham's track record um, You would think I don't want to really follow what Graham says He got one right the other week of 2-0 I thought, you know, he's back on a, you know he's back on the march now And he goes 2-1 So he got the actual, the, the actual result right But he didn't get the scoreline right So, no um, I think Graham's copied me this week because he's he's thinking I need to I need to follow the person who knows what he's talking about, um, basically. Uh, so yeah, sorry, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to really. have a full um, a full house of positivity there, aren't we? We're not going to concede. No, not obviously we're going to concede. We're all think we're going to win. So yeah, fantastic. I mean, obviously we've got the results there, but I mean, how are we going to do that then? You know what. What's the game plan, Mike? How are you getting your one nil win? Um, you know what? We get the one nil win by not sitting back. I think the worst thing we can do is just invite Fulham onto us. Um, so for me, I want us to approach it with the same team, um, as we did against Hull. I think to drop anyone really would be very, very harsh. The only exception to that is if, of course, Nick Powell's back. Now I've heard nothing recently about it but didn't O'Neill kind of say he was back in training back on the grass etc there is an outside chance that he might be able to play maybe he'll be on the bench you never know but um, I think that's probably the only exception I'd say mate otherwise I want us to keep exactly the same yeah exactly the same team even buddy James Chester gets to stay cool okay (laughs) um so okay, so so you're keeping Chester in. No, no recall for Fox. No Chester. No, because Fox didn't do very much in the last few games. I was all for giving him a chance, and he's had his chance. But he, you know, the games at home. I'm, I'm trying to remember, think back to. I think it was Derby. Um, the, the the games at home, he was just he was out of position. He was at fault for the goals. Yeah, he's. I don't know. I don't think he's taken his chance personally, mate. Um, and it wouldn't overly surprise me again to see him leave in the summer. That's fair enough. Um, and so you're saying, you know, if Nick Powell is, by the good grace, you know, available, <laughs> um, who is he playing? Who is he coming in for? Is it Tom Ince dropping out for you? Oh, it'd be so harsh to drop in, wouldn't it? I can't believe I'm saying that. That's ridiculous. Um you know what? I th- God, I think we might have to change the midfield around a little bit, maybe dropping Klukas, um potentially and, and moving around this way. I'd, I'd have to probably have a bit more of a think about that one, to be honest, Dan. But uh, yeah, I, you can't drop right. Phil- I mean, maybe, maybe put drop Brown, move right Phillips further out, um, have Ince on the left and then maybe bring Powell in to the role that basically uh, Wright Phillips was playing against Hull. Maybe that's a, a way of doing it. Because I, mean, I must admit, I know we, we've talked about Jacob, and we're, you know, we've got nothing to really say too bad about him. But for me, again, Jacob's not really done very much in the last few games. So I've got no qualms with him being dropped. So let me guess right. You're going to put Nick Powell up front. And you're going to have Wright yeah. Phillips playing where? 
Wright Phillips on the right, Ince on the left. So you're going with three, and then you're going to have your two centre midfielders, are you, Alan and Klukas, with your two yep. wing backs and three centre halves? Yeah, because I'm not sure if Mario is fit. It doesn't sound like he might be. So, yeah, okay. I'll go with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, personally, I th- I'd like to see just because of his pedigree, uh, Lewis Baker start. I don't know if he's got 90 minutes in him, but I'd like to see him come on and you know and, and start uh, just because of the, the pressure. I think people like Harry Wilson and stuff around the edge of the box, if he can sort of you know just stay tight to him and not give him the opportunities there, I think that will really benefit us and really help us, you know, trying to get a positive result and keep them quiet. Uh, like I say, who do you drop though? Because, I mean, it's, you would say like Ince would probably be the, the one on, on paper to go as he's more of a flair player there. You know, if you're trying to go for more of a workman-like midfield um, and sort of, you know, get the ball forward quickly. But at the same time, I don't think he can drop it. I think his effort, I think he's benefiting loads from playing more central. I said yeah. to me, is he is he now showing this form because he's involved in the game on the right wing? He can sort of hide a bit. And if he doesn't see the ball for a few minutes, gets a bit sort of switches off a bit, gets a bit disinterested. Maybe he's not on his toes. Whereas when he's in the middle, the ball's there so much more for him. He's always involved. He's always got a job as well. Even if he has, even if we haven't got the ball, he's got a job in the midfield, and he's looking so much better for it, isn't he? So yeah, yes, mate. I would, I would say his energy, actually, which amazing to say, Tomins's energy keeps him in the team. <laughs> I can't believe we're saying it. You know, a couple months ago, we would have been <laughs> laughed out the building for thinking that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tom Inches, I mean, I loved the comments after the game from um, Dean Holden as well. He said, didn't he? he said, Ince is the best trainer at the club, whether he's in the team, out of the team, whatever. He says he always gives 100%. He's, you know, he, he said he just hasn't always uh, transferred that to a match day. Um, and maybe sort of clammed up a bit on match days. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah, I... I'd keep him in there. I'd like to see Baker in there. And I think, yeah, Alan's got to play as well, hasn't he? So, them you three will be the Lucas midfield. Is what, sorry? Did you say you're dropping Klukas then? Yeah, to me, Klukas, I mean, he had a really good game last week. Uh, but I'd, I'd say I've got doubts whether Baker will be able to do 90 minutes um, or whether Ince will be able to keep up high energy for 90 minutes. And if we've got Klukas on the bench and maybe Jordan Thompson might be back, he could be on the bench. You know, I'm sure he's out of his COVID um, sort of isolation and that now. Yeah. As long as he's you know not affected him too much, then he'll be back. And you've got two fresh set of legs there who can come on and give, you know, say to Tom and say to Baker or whatever, you know, give me 60 minutes, give me 70 minutes, run, you, you know, Chase, Harry, press, be physical, bash, you know, do what you need to do. And we've got fresh legs here on the bench who can come in and you know finish the game off once you've you know you've given all you can give. Up front as well, I think you're not gonna I think right Phillips, he's at the minute, he's got that Fulham won't know much about him, will they? They won't have seen no. much. They won't 
Yeah, when he's got that, he's man of the match last week. He was buzzing. You saw his, you saw that little clip then we of his his face when he's you know going to his walking past his dad with his man of the match awards. As if he couldn't like barely yeah. believe it, could he? he was like, oh my god, oh my god. Um, so that was lovely to see. I think he's going to be buzzing at the minute. He's full of confidence. He's he's um, like I say, Fulham. He's not going to be known to them very well as well. So I'd leave I'd leave him in. Tell him just go out and just play, just play how you did, make yourself a nuisance, take people on, scare, run at people, scare them, push them back. Um, because they're all, you know, we've just been saying that we you know Birmingham scored two, Bristol City scored two. There are gaps, there's going to be gaps, there's going to be chances with this fallen team. Um, and how if they play, how they have been doing. And I'd say who's going to be partnering them though? Is it Brown? Do you bring Fletcher in to try and give you more of a focal point to sort of, you know, play off him and stuff? Because, I mean, Stephen Fletcher, we know we've seen how good he links up with Brown, how good he links up with Campbell. I think he'd love playing with somebody like Wright Phillips. Yeah, yeah, he could probably learn a lot from from Fletcher as well, you know, in terms of experience, etc. So, yeah, I, I got no problems with bringing Fletcher. It's going to need to. I don't want us to play long ball by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's going to have to stick up there uh, when it gets there, to be honest. Because if they're putting a lot of pressure on us, you know, we we could be quite deep at times, and I think we need someone to hold that ball up while the midfield catch up. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely probably agree with you about Fletcher, actually, now, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think just Fletcher's got that... He, he doesn't always spring to people's minds but he's he's got quite a lot of flair in his game and he's got a really like um inventive footballing brain as well and like his little flicks and his tricks his back heels and stuff and if right phillips is buzzing about and stuff i you know the i think they them two can link up really well mm, time will tell my friends time will tell so, yeah, that's what we think, Mike, me and you. Um, but we've also been in contact with Tom from the Fulham Supporters Trust. You remember, he, you know, he spoke to him earlier on the season. Well, he's back and he's given us a lowdown on this game from the Fulham end. This game comes when Fulham are in pretty good form, 19 goals in our last three games. But, you know, that comes on the back of a period before that where we played... Um, five games, only scored three goals and only got four points. So which Fulham turns up, I think will be interesting. We had a lot of games off over Christmas and I think the break has done us good. But then we've played two games a week and this will be for two weeks since then. And there were a few signs of fatigue showing a little bit towards the end on Tuesday. So that might have an impact on how well equipped we are uh, to play Stoke on Saturday. I'm expecting a much tougher game. You know, we've been quite... Fortunate in a way that we've played three of the teams in the worst form in the championship successively and managed to score a lot of goals. We've also scored a lot more goals than uh, expected goals chances would suggest. Um, so maybe our luck's been in a little bit. But having said that, Tom Kearney is back in the team with Jean-Michel Seri playing in the African Cup of Nations. And he's looking like the player he played. He was so good uh, in the in the championship two and three years ago. Uh, Carvalho, who's burst onto the scene this season, the last couple of games has been really immense. And there's always the goal threat with Mitrovic and the clever feet of Wilson. Defensively, you know, he went behind to Bristol City twice. Birmingham came back into the game on Tuesday with a couple of goals, so a bit suspect. So against a much more organised side, I think in Stoke, 
um, I think we'll find that it's a much harder test uh, than the last few games have been. And he can't win every game. Uh, so I think this will be a really interesting game on Saturday. A bit like the first game at Craven Cottage was billed at that point as a top-of-the-table clash between two of the teams that started the season well. Uh, the fortunes might not have gone quite the same since then, but I do think that uh, we're a much better matched contest than our most recent games, and it should be a good one. Cheers, Tom. Thank you very much for that. Uh, it's always nice to see, you know, nice to hear, should I say, you know, the opposition's uh, feelings going into a game and that. And so, yeah, so uh, it's, well, are we going to get three points, Mike? We all think we are. Yeah, yeah we will, we will do, mate. I think it, I think Fulham will probably come here potentially underestimating us, mate. To be honest, so um, I think we're going to catch them on a good day, uh, and we're going to get three more points, mate, and then we'll go to Coventry uh, and secure another three, and we'll be in the playoffs. So that's your thing. This time next week we'll be in the playoffs. This time next week we'll be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's going to say good night, everybody. Good afternoon, whichever. And uh, I'll see you next week. Night, mate. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.